So which era are you in? Today we're starting a new teaching series where we're focused on God's grace in every stage of life. So which stage of life, which era are you in? Are you in your adventure stage? Are you in your striving era, your domestic era, your enjoyment era, reflection era? Maybe you're in your midlife crisis era. We're going to walk through all of these in the coming weeks, and we'll explain each one. Uh, the big goal of this series is to, is to help all of us know this one truth, that the goodness of God remains in every season of life. God is good, and God is faithful in every era that you find yourself in. Now, his goodness and his faithfulness is offered to you in, in different ways depending on the season of your life and what you need. But nonetheless, God is good and God is faithful in every era of life. Amen. The scripture that sits at the heart of this series, the one that I really want us to hold on to and, and, and memorize and take with us once this conversation is done, comes to us from the Psalms. And if you would, I would like for us to read it aloud together. Would you read this with me? I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. Whether you are just starting out or you are settling down, whether you're at the beginning or you are near the end, God is good and God is faithful. Our goal in this conversation is to train our eyes to see that and fix our hearts to hold on to that and with our hands to those in other eras and other generations to share that. Now, one of the reasons we, we have to have a conversation like this is because there is a lot of misunderstanding between eras, between stages of life. And this is best seen in some of the memes that we share online. You know, those who are just starting out think those who are already settled had it easier. They don't know how hard it is for young people today. And, you know, those who are in their domestic era think those who are striving and trying to build their career think that their priorities are misplaced. Misunderstanding abounds, and you can see it in the memes that we share online. So to prove it to you, I thought I would share with you just a, just a couple of my favorite memes that, that display the, the misunderstanding across generational lines. So here's my first, and this might be my favorite one, no offense to the boomers in the room. Boomers, when they read literally anything on social media... It's real. Now, come on, that's funny. That's really funny. This one, this one hits close to home for me. This one is true of me. How I feel talking about the 80s to anyone under 30. <laughs> this next one is aimed at the millennials, but I feel like it should really be aimed at Gen Z. It's a cat scared of the dog. Millennials, actual phone calls instead of texts. Now, much to my, my teenage daughter's chagrin, I, I am also, I'm also on TikTok because I'm one of those cool dads. And there is this, there's this other dad that I follow on TikTok who makes his entire account about the misunderstandings between him and his teenage daughter. You can see why I love it. And one of the, my favorite things that he does is he just takes the text messages that his teenage daughter sends to him at random and he posts them on his TikTok feed and it is hilarious. But again, it illustrates the differences between eras, between generations and stages of life. So, so take a look at this and see if you can relate.
Oh, so true, isn't it? My, my favorite one that I think I have received from my daughter is, what's postage? That is so good. <laughs> so the, the purpose of this series is to create greater empathy and respect across generational lines, in part not just so that we will know what God's grace is to us in our particular era and stage of life, but so that we will know what it looks like to best love our neighbor who is in a different era and stage of life, be it, be it the neighbor who lives down the hall who's a lot younger than you, be it the neighbor who is literally next door from you or the person at work who's in another generation than you, what does it look like for us to love someone, to offer that grace of God to someone who's in a different era than us? And we're gonna kick off the conversation this morning by looking at those who are in what what we're gonna call the adventure era of life. Typically, this person who's in the adventure era of life, they are in their, their early 20s, they're, they're out of school, they're, they're just getting started in life, maybe they've got their, their first real job, perhaps they're not married, probably don't have kids just yet, kind of the life is, life is just beginning for them and, and the world is wide open for them. Options abound for them and a lot of life is about making the most of life and, and having fun before you settle down in life. Do you remember, if you're not in this stage, do you remember what it was like to be in this stage? You had a lot of fun, didn't you? And you were hopeful and idealistic. The whole world was at your fingertips. But now, things have changed. Things have changed for you if you're not in this stage of life. Now, the idea of adventure is staying up past nine and (laughs) watching the latest episode of Love Island. Or the idea of being crazy is is drinking wine on the couch with your nice sweatpants on, right? (laughs) Things change, but if you're in this era of life, the world is at your fingertips, the options abound. But but what you need to know if you are not in this era of life is that young adults today, young adults today are feeling an immense amount of pressure, even as they are in this, this optimistic, idealistic, life is at my fingertips adventure age. There, there are a handful of questions that have monopolized their focus. Big questions, questions like, Questions about identity, questions about, about experience, and, and questions about accomplishments, questions about identity, like, like, who am I? And that might seem like a common question that maybe you wrestled with, but, but today, everything's on the table, and there is this sense that identity is not something that's received, but it's something that's built and forged and discovered, and that, in and of itself, is an immense amount of pressure. There's also wrestlings with experience, like I want to make sure I'm having the right experiences, that I'm not missing out on these kind of idealized and perfect experiences that I'm constantly seeing curated in front of my eyes and through all of the information that I'm taking in. Am I having the right experiences? Am I missing out? That, that's pressure too. And, and then accomplishments that lead to outcomes in life. Am am I doing the right things now? Am I building my resume uh, robust enough so that that I'm going to land in the right place in the end? And and that is pressure too. Those who are in this era of life, yeah, there's a lot of fun and and the world is at your fingertips, but there's also an immense amount of pressure through these kind of existential questions that are monopolizing their focus. Who am I? Am I doing the right things? Am I accomplishing enough? 
And if you are in that particular stage of life and, and those kinds of questions are monopolizing your, your heart and mind, what, what I would like to do this morning is just offer you something different for your focus. And what I would say to you is that the scriptures, the Christian scriptures, are actually the ones that offer young people a, a different and, and better focus for their early stages of life. Now, you might be thinking that the scriptures don't have a lot to say to young adults, and I would just say that that, that is not true, that, that a lot of the scriptures were written by young adults and, and written to young adults. So, for example, the entire book of Proverbs was written by a father to his young adult son, full of wisdom for how to flourish in God's world. The, the Psalms, much of the Psalms were written by an angsty young King David, Jesus, his, his disciples and his inner core of followers, the women who were part of the inner core as well of his, uh, of his followers, the disciples and all those who were part of that inner circle, they were mostly young adults, late teens, early 20s. And then you see Paul writing to Timothy, this young pastor. And, and Timothy is likely in his early 20s, just starting out in his career as a pastor, not having any idea what he's doing. It's a letter from an older adult to a younger adult. And then you have the book of 1 Corinthians, which is an entire letter that Paul writes to this young church in the city of Corinth, and this church is filled to the brim with extremely hormonal young adults who are making all kinds of crazy decisions. The scriptures have an immense amount of truth to offer to young adults. So much of it is tailored toward you. And I would say what the scriptures offer to young adults to be their primary focus in life can be summarized in two, two words, adoration and formation. If you're going to be mindful of anything in your young adult life, don't, don't make it about your identity, don't make it about experiences that you're missing out on, don't make it about piling up accomplishments. Be mindful of these two things, adoration, what you're consuming, and formation, who you're becoming. And the connection between these two things, how what you are adoring, consuming, obsessing over, is actively shaping and molding the person that you are right now. So, so look again at Psalm 119, and then a little snippet of what Paul wrote to Timothy. You, you'll see this at work. Psalm 119, just verses 9 through 11, it says this, how can a young person keep his way pure? by guarding it according to your word, by having a focus on the word of God and letting it mold and shape and protect my heart. And then the psalmist goes on to say, with my whole heart I seek you. So my heart has a focus. My focus is on him. Where can I find him? In his word. Let me not wander from your commandments, which is another phrase for the word, the truth of God. Let me not wander from, let me stay focused on the word of God. I have stored up your word in my heart. There is a command, an encouragement to keep your focus, to be adoring and consuming the truth of who God is. And then in 1 Timothy, after Paul says the same to Timothy, he talks about a formation that is happening in Timothy that's also true for all of us who are following after Jesus. 
Paul says, train yourself for godliness. Be formed for godly living. For while bodily training is of some value, becoming godly is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and for the life to come. You see, there is this principle at work in the scriptures that the psalmist and Paul is is pointing to, that what you worship, what you love, what you adore, what you consume, you become. What you take in transforms you. What you adore and obsess over doesn't just go into a vacuum, but it has an effect on you. And Paul is saying to, these, to the young Timothy, and then the psalmist is saying to the young man, to the young woman, if you're going to adore and be formed by anything, focus on the truths of who God is. And let that mold and shape you. The question is not if you are adoring and being formed, but what you are obsessing over and how it is actively forming you today. So young adult, young person, adventurer, at the beginning, be mindful of what you are focused on and how it is actively forming you today. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, if you're in this stage of life, you might be thinking, well, Pastor Matt, adoration is a really strong word. I don't know if I have anything in my life that I am so focused on, so, so relentlessly consuming that it is, it is forming and molding and shaping me. And, and I would just like to lovingly press on that idea and say, yes, you do. So many things. Well, think about this. Like, where does your mind instinctively go when the world gets quiet? That might give you a sense of of what you adore. Whose opinion matters the most to you? And you find yourself willing to do maybe anything in order to win their approval. That might give you a sense of of who you adore. You You see, scrolling and consuming, that's adoration. Sitting on your bed, in your bedroom, all alone, wondering, am I missing out? That's That's adoration. Comparing and competing for someone else's praise, that is adoration. Spending whatever, whatever money you have at this stage in life to, to, to have a certain fit and, to, and to, to exude a certain style, that is adoration. Going to the gym relentlessly and looking in the mirror, hoping you see some gains day after day, week after week, that is adoration. And all of that adoration and focus and consuming of something, it doesn't go into a vacuum, it forms you and shapes you. You could use this word, it disciples you. It changes you. And the invitation of the scriptures is to set your heart Set your focus, set your consumption in these early stages on the right things so that it might form you into the person that God has called you to become over the course of your life and throughout all of the eras. As you adventure, be mindful of what you adore and how you are formed and do it with purpose. And so as I've already mentioned and what what the scriptures tell us, is that you are in these early stages of life, you are invited to adore and consume and be formed by this one thing, God's word. Now now that in and of itself is kind of a a big umbrella, a broad idea, God's word. What do we mean when we talk about God's word? Well, you could summarize what we mean when we say, focus on, hold in your heart the word of God. 
with, with really three words. We're talking about the, the promises and uh, the precepts and the person of Jesus Christ. That, that's what we're talking about when we talk about God's word. We're talking about the promises of God that are given to you in the scriptures that are always true for you no matter what. Promises like, like, like Hebrews chapter 13, which says this. God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That's one of a million promises in the scripture that are true for you no matter what. Hold that in your heart. Stare at that all your days. And then there's also the precepts. This is the guidance that is given to you in the scriptures that lead to your flourishing as a member of God's creation. So you think of the, the entire book of Proverbs and so many other portions of scripture. But, but for example, Proverbs chapter 27 says this, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. That's just good wisdom for daily living. There are some people who love you who because they love you have to speak difficult truth to you. That's profound wisdom. But most importantly, there are the things that Jesus Christ has accomplished for you that are given to you, that you can carry with you each and every day. So look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says this, For our sake God made Christ to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The encouragement of the scriptures is to make the word of God, the promises, the precepts, and the person of Jesus, make these things your focus, hold these things in your heart, and let these things mold and shape you throughout your life, but in particular, in the earliest stages of your adult life. Now, in order to do that, are you going to need to read the Bible a little more? Yes. But don't worry, there's an app for that. But... But alongside reading the scriptures, it's also about the people that you surround yourself with. You're going to need to surround yourself with some people who are also holding these things in their heart so that as you wander from them or struggle with them, they might remind you of these things. And it's also about, in, in the middle of your adventures, making, making time for places and spaces like this so you can be fed these truths and pulled back to these truths and these truths and gifts can be proclaimed over you and given to you. That, that's what this is about. And what I want to encourage you to believe if you are in this early stage of life is that holding on to and focusing on the word of God as the treasure in your heart, putting all other focuses aside and holding on to this and letting it form you, that it is not going to hold you back. And, and I know you well enough, even though it's been a long time since I was you, I know you well enough to know that that is one of the fears at this stage of life. There's this thinking that emerges when you're, you know, 20-something and the world is wide open that says, you know what, I am a person of faith, but I will, I will get serious about my faith later in life because now is the time for me to make some good mistakes. Now is the time for me to, to have a little fun and my faith might get in the way. Now is the time for me to discover who I am and I don't want, I don't want timeless truths to get in the way of me discovering some things I haven't learned yet. And so I'm going to set that aside. I'll set it aside for when I'm older, when I have kids and I want to raise them in the faith. Then I'll get serious about my faith. But not now. It might hold me back. It might hinder me. And what I want to say to you, I want to give you this gift of this truth that adoring, cherishing, consuming the truth of who God is and letting it form you today will not hold you back in your younger years. In fact, what it will do is set you free for a life of true and impactful and meaningful adventure. Because right now, if you are holding on to the truth of who God is, 
promises, precepts and person of Jesus Christ, and it is forming you in these early days, you will carry in your hands from the earliest moments of your adulthood, you will carry in your hands the answer to two questions that every human being wrestles with and that most people spend their entire adult life trying to discover. You know, as being a pastor, one of the things that I get to do is, is spend time with people at the very beginning of their life and spend time with people at the very end of their life. This last week was a great example of that. This week, I, I went and met a, a young couple at the hospital who were welcoming their second child, and just the day after this child is born, I'm in the hospital getting to hold a brand new baby, and there's nothing better than holding a brand new baby, and it's not yours. There's nothing better <laughs> than holding a brand new baby and going, oh, so precious, here you go. <laughs> and then this, this same week, I... I got to sit at the bedside of a dear saint who was taking her last breaths and got to offer her communion and pray over her and remind her the truths of God's word. And and that's the joy of my life, the very beginning, the very end. It's it's such a joy as a pastor. But over the course of now, you know, almost 20 years of doing that, especially sitting with people at the end of their life, like like a theme emerges for many people where where, where they'll say something to this effect, Pastor, I, I wish I knew then what I know now. I wish I knew at the beginning what I now know at the end. And, and, and you, know, you know what they wish they knew at the beginning? That they're getting clarity on at the end? It's these two things. It's what matters most of all? And will it turn out okay? Everybody wants to know that. And, and young adventurer in the faith, you you know the answer to those two questions right now. You do. What what matters most? Here's what matters most. What matters most is the grace of God the Father that flows through Jesus Christ the Son as it's been given to you. That's what matters most and now can flow through you to other people for the rest of your life. There are a lot of important things. That's the ultimate thing. God's grace to you and through you. That's the most important thing. And then the other question, will it turn out okay? Short answer, yes. What what will happen in the end for you? Here's what's gonna happen in the end for you. Let me give you a picture of the end for you. The end for you will be this. The end for you will be you sitting at God's table as a member of God's family, wrapped in mercy and grace, one for you by Jesus Christ, enjoying an eternity that cannot be taken or shaken from you, with a smile on your face that can never be stolen. That is the end for you. And you have the answer to those two questions, what matters and what's going to happen. You have the answer to those two questions today, the questions people want and wish they had, you have right now. And let me tell you what, what kind of, what kind of life would you live? What kind of choices would you make if you knew, if you knew that your focus was true and your future was secure? What kind of life would you live? What kind of choices would you make if you knew that your, your, your values were set, your heart was anchored in the right thing, your focus was true, and you could not ultimately fail? I think that you would lead a life of incredible freedom, freedom for the right things, that you would lead a life of sacrificial love that other people avoid. You would lead a life of incredible generosity that most people never touch. You would lead a life of pursuing beauty and purpose, even at great cost to self, so long as it brings something greater and good into this world, in God's name. You would take incredible risks for all the right things if you knew, if you knew that your focus was right and your future was secure.
And let me tell you, friend, you do. You do. You have the answers today, and it leads to greater freedom. Now, if, if you are here this morning, you're saying, well, Pastor Matt, I, I'm not in this particular stage of life, then, then what I have to offer to you is this. Here's what, here's what those who are in the adventure era of their life, here's what they need from those who are not. What they often get in this day and age, what they often get is commentary and critique. And let me just tell you, they don't need that. Those who are in their adventure era of life, because they often are consumed with, with identity and experience and accomplishments, they are dealing with some of the greatest levels of anxiety we have ever seen in human society. I, I read an article earlier this week that said that Gen Z is now worried that it's aging faster than millennials. And, and there are some doctors out there who are like, mm, it's kind of true, which is just thrown Gen Z for a loop. They're already dealing with enough pressure because of where their focus tends to be. What they do not need is commentary, critique from you. Here's what they need from you, and this comes from, from what we see from Paul to Timothy. Paul writes this letter to Timothy, and, and Paul wouldn't have to write a letter to Timothy if Timothy was crushing it out of the gate. The reason Paul has to write a letter to Timothy is likely because some people wrote to Paul saying, hey, this 20-something young pastor that you've got here, uh, you need to step in and help because bro's making a mess of it. And so Paul has to write to Timothy. And what does he give to Timothy? Does he give him rebuke? No, here's what he gives to Timothy. Summarized in three words. He gives him, he gives him courage, he gives him conviction, and he gives him compassion. And I would say that that's what those who are in the adventure era of their life, they need from you. Paul pours courage into Timothy. I believe in you. What does he say to Timothy? Don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. I believe that you can set a standard. I believe that you can set a standard in Christian godliness. He pours courage into him. And then he pours conviction into him, reminding him, you already know what matters most. You already have of what's utmost importance in life. He says to him, our hope is set on the living God. Remember that. And you have that. And then he offers him compassion. Jump to the, jump to the story of the prodigal son that Jesus tells. You've got, you've got a young adult who comes back home after a season of misadventure covered in shame. And, and what does the father of another era give to him? Does he give him a stern talking to? Does he wag a finger? The father gives him a hug and says, I love you. I thought I'd lost you. I still love you. And that is what God the Father and Jesus Christ gives to each and every one of us. And, and those who are not in this era of this generation, that is what those who are just starting out wide-eyed with every opportunity in front of them, tempted to focus on the wrong things, trying to focus on, on God and his word and be formed by that, that is what they need from you. They need courage, they need conviction, and oh my goodness, do they need your compassion. Because I don't know if you've heard, but I believe it is true. It is, in fact, harder today than when you were their age. 
I'll close with this. I once heard a pilot talk about something called the one and 60 rule. Maybe you've, you've heard of this. The idea is that in the early days of aviation, when you had to set your own course, you didn't have GPS and computers, it was, it was of utmost importance that you, you focused the flight of the aircraft on the precise endpoint. That if your destination was not ultimately true at the beginning, uh, you would end up off course. And the rule was that for every one degree that you are off at the beginning, you will be 60 miles off after an hour. So if, if you are one degree off after an hour, you'll be 60 miles off course. Uh, so so the, the, the idea being that if you are traveling from JFK to Tokyo after 14 hours, You'll start off one degree off, but in the end, you'll be a profound distance from your destination, somewhere over the Sea of Japan and out of fuel. That would be a bad thing. And so there is pressure to, to get the, the course set correctly at the beginning so that you land in the right place. And I share that because I, I, I think so many young adults, so many adventurers who are starting out with, with life wide open in front of them, they are not living with as much as much adventure and joy as you might think that they are, they are living with an immense amount of pressure, saying to themselves, I, 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 if I want to land in the right place, I can't be one degree off. I, I have to know today who I am. I have to have all my experiences right. I have to know my list of accomplishments because if I'm one degree off today, I won't land where I got to land tomorrow. And it is all on me to make sure I land in the right place tomorrow. And if you are here and you are feeling that kind of pressure, let me, let me end by giving this gift to you. You, you do not have to forge your own identity. You, you do not have to, you do not have to accumulate the right experiences or build out an incredible resume. Let me, let me put it like this. You are not the captain of your life. The one who has claimed you and forgiven you and made you his own, Jesus Christ, is the captain of your life. And he, he is going to lead you well. He is. And your opportunity and invitation at this early stage of life is to, is to adore him. And who he is and what he's promised to you and let that form you and let that shape you and let it set you free. Let it set you free and give you a sense of peace knowing that even though right now you are at the beginning, you know that you will land at home. Amen.